Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Blockbuster revelations that the Justice Department is investigating Congressman Matt Gates for sex trafficking. Another surge in COVID-19 cases as vaccination efforts flag. And a bill shielding businesses from COVID-19 liability is signed by Governor DeSantis. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first, that music means it's pick a number time. Uh, Antonio, do you have a number for us today? Yeah, I'm going to go with $9.7 million. All right. How about you, John? Zach, I'm going big here. My number this week is 562. 562. All right. And I am 150. That's 9.7 million, 562 and 150. Remember those numbers, folks. Write them down. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, Florida Congressman Matt Gates rose to prominence in recent years as one of President Donald Trump's most loyal and flamboyant defenders. Now his political career is in peril as he comes under scrutiny for potential sex trafficking. The New York Times reported this week that the Justice Department has been investigating Gates for months over a possible sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl and questions about whether he paid for her travel which could put him in jeopardy under sex trafficking laws. Antonio, this is pretty shocking stuff. What's the reaction in MAGA world and among the Florida political establishment? Well, gentlemen, you know, we haven't quoted Fox News host Tucker Carlson recently, but man, here's a really good time to do it. That gate story, to paraphrase Carlson, is just one of the weirdest we've heard. And in Florida politics, we hear a lot of weird news. Like, for example, a year ago, news breaking... There was a news breaking the former gubernatorial candidate, Andrew Gillum, being found unconscious in the Miami Beach hotel room. And now we have this bizarre story with Gates. The New York Times reported that federal investigators in an investigation that was approved by Trump Attorney General Bill Barr are looking into allegations of improper behavior by Gates with a then 17-year-old girl. And Gates responds that he is a target of an extortion effort. Uh, You know, The gate story, while weird as Carlson said of his interview this week, is a stunner and for good reason. It sounds actually like a a QAnon conspiracy theory. Gates has easily been, at least on the Republican side, one of the most visible congressmen and Republican media darlings. Uh, Gates has tangled with the parents of slain kids slain at the Parkland High School and was one of the former President Trump's most vocal supporters. Remember that it was Gates who took aim at Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the number three Republican in the House, for voting to impeach Trump. Gates even went to Cheyenne, Wyoming, to uh, Cheney's home turf to rally the Trump base against her. Antonio, well, and Gates, yeah. Gates was kind of Trump's point man in Florida, wasn't he? I mean, he was sort of like the guy that that Trump turned to, uh, you know, to who kind of um, was was his main surrogate, right? Yes. In fact, it was Gates. You know who he replaced in that role? Rod DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, who then ran off to be governor. And Gates was actually the the one that would show up on a lot of Fox News and defend Trump, uh, you know, through and through. And in fact, if you look at uh, Gates' Twitter accounts, he has his banners with photos with Trump at the helicopter in different locations. And, you know, he, he tweeted very frequently his uh, it, videos from his guest appearances on these Fox News shows. He he hosted a few. Uh, I think he hosted a couple of shows for 
either Hannity or 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 the late Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he he was a really a a a big, a very vocal and visible player. Right. Um, and, and closer to home here, he was also a frequent visitor to Mar-a-Lago. And he actually, you know, people a lot of people don't know this, but he teamed up with uh, Trump daughter-in-law Laura Trump on animal welfare issues. And also in Florida, you know, there was the speculation that he would run against or run for that uh, Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services to get him a statewide right. post and perhaps, you know, launch a gubernatorial campaign. But then even before the whole weirdness of this uh, alleged investigation and a, even alleged extortion plot, and by the way, that extortion plot involved Gates's father, Don Gates, who is, is, is a, a big time political player, supposedly wearing a wire to entrap somebody in in an extortion scheme. I, this is just really, really out there, um, you know, but. You know, we even before all of this, we had heard speculation that Gates would might leave Congress. He talked about it, said they want to be a lifer in Congress, and there was some talk that he would even join Newsmax and have his own TV show. Uh, so, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about Republican bench strength, particularly here in Florida, and, and Gates was clearly one of the younger, stronger players. But to answer your question, Zach, Trump Nation has been rather muted on this. We haven't seen a press release or statement from the former president on Capitol Hill. There was there was neither no strong endorsement of Gates nor, you know, suggestions of this being a witch hunt or, or hoax investigation. There was a lot of wait and see talk. So we'll have to wait and see how this pans out. But one thing we know for sure, it's that the MAGA crowd is rarely flustered or rattled by investigations into their political icons. There is very much a next man up mentality. You know, and MAGA Nation goes on, especially when faced with the scandal. But this is a classic Trump world story with a lot of twists and turns and plots and subplots all packed into a few days news cycles before we move on to the next one. And Antonio, I mean, Trump famously has, you know, been pretty bulletproof in terms of, you know, some of these allegations that women have made uh, against him in terms of sexual improprieties, uh, you know, and there's maybe a sense that, um, you know, his supporters have been willing to to overlook a lot of things. Uh, maybe that they think that the you know they don't believe them, or or they just um, you know they they like Trump enough that uh, you know they're willing to overlook them. But you know, do you think that that could happen with Gates? I mean, when you're talking about child sex trafficking, that gets into some pretty uh, pretty um, difficult uh, to overcome territory. That that is the tough one because remember the whole QAnon conspiracy theory revolves around. Uh, abuse of children. So and of course, it's all nonsense and it's it's baseless. But there is a an issue here that um, that when it comes to children, that does motivate the base. Now, the other thing is, let's keep in mind is that a lot. And, I, and I've talked to a few Trump supporters this week about this. And a lot of them, they just see this continued persecution, this victimization that they're always coming after us. And that sort of desensitizes them to a lot of these investigations and scandals because they just see it as part part and parcel of a larger quote unquote conspiracy to get conservatives to remove conservatives to silence conservatives so we'll, we'll you know we'll have to see what this investigation plays out what what happens um, but it does touch on on two really you know key key points for Trump nation which is this obsession is shall we call it or at least this 
preoccupation with children being abused, which is a lot of the QAnon conspiracy, but then also this idea that conservatives are just always being persecuted. John, you've covered Gates for years, back to when he was uh, a junior lawmaker in the Florida legislature. He's really rocketed to, to fame since then. As we mentioned, he's, he's a real close ally of Trump, but he's also a really close ally of Governor Ron DeSantis. And, and I wonder, you know, how this might impact DeSantis, um, how it impacts Gates in terms of, I mean, he's also been talked about really um, as a candidate for higher office uh, in Florida. Antonio mentioned that he had kind of flirted with running for agriculture commissioner. Um, what do you think of this? I mean, he's an ally of DeSantis. Does this hurt DeSantis? I've heard some people actually say that it could help DeSantis because, you know, if with Gate, I mean, at least politically, with Gates out of the picture, um, you know, or sidelined to some degree, uh, it makes DeSantis uh, more prominent, uh, you know, and sort of the more go-to guy for Trump. Uh, in Florida, a lot of potential uh, political fallout from this. Yeah, there there is, and and yeah, maybe there is a way that DeSantis kind of emerges even uh, m- more prominently as a uh, uh, as a figure in Florida and uh, kind of nationwide for this uh, kind of Trump base. But uh, for Gates, it seems like you know this, this is another cloud over what for him already looked like a kind of cloudy future. Uh, you know, you know, Matt Gates is glib, clever, and. He's quick to capitalize on whatever is in the news in a way that seems to grab him attention. But I don't know how those attributes have really served him well for the political long haul. There, there, there always seems to be a lot of drama around Gates, and maybe drama isn't always that good for someone's career. Uh, he seems like a guy who is always trying to wedge himself into somebody's crowd as a uh, as an equal and fellow leader and maybe not quite pulling it off uh he, he he's smart uh, a biting and colorful speaker that became very clear during his six years in tallahassee uh in 2016 he became a trump guy after briefly being a, a jeb guy in the republican presidential primary uh he, he's of course from a panhandle district where you can't be too republican red so he made the most of that and uh, after DeSantis was elected in 2018, um, in those first uh, few uh, transition months, uh, Gates fashioned himself into being a key advisor to uh, DeSantis and his transition team before the January inauguration in 2019. He, he capitalized on a relationship that began during the pair's uh, uh, brief time in Congress together, uh, overlapping time, and uh, on the strength of Gates, of course, knowing Tallahassee, which uh, DeSantis did not know. Um, But uh, Gates during the Trump years already seemed to be tiring of the U.S. House. Uh, As Antonio alluded to, you know, he was talking uh, not long ago about maybe running for U.S. Senate in Alabama. Remember that? That was kind of an <laughs> out-of-the-box idea. And then he was talked about running for U.S. Senate against Marco Rubio, but he took himself out of that race by saying maybe he'd think of running for Florida Agriculture Commissioner next year. Then uh, came more talk about, you know, joining Newsmax as a commentator. And then this story comes about, you know, him being under investigation, which he is obviously retaliated with even wilder allegations of extortion. But, um, you know, again, bottom line, there's always an awful lot of drama around Matt Gates, And even though this state is quite conservative and we like our characters, uh, I've been skeptical that he could ever actually win statewide and maybe even more so whether his heart was really in politics to make any kind of difference. Um, so, you know, uh, 
it, it looked like he was more and more like a guy hunting for a job on Fox, Newsmax, or One America News. But uh, this story certainly dampens that. And I'm thinking we may not, we may not have Matt Gates to kick around for much longer. Who knows how this story <laughs> plays out? Yeah, it was a pretty rapid rise for Gates, and, and it could be a very rapid fall here uh, as well. But obviously, uh, you know, there, there's only uh, the reports say that he's only under investigation. There's no evidence right now uh, that has come out that this actually happened. So um, we'll have to wait and, and see uh, exactly what uh, the Justice uh, Department investigation uh, uncovers. Well, as the political world is focused on uh, Matt Gates and uh, these salacious accusations, Florida has begun to see another uptick in COVID-19 cases as spring break enters its second month and new virus variants uh, that are more infectious take hold. At the same time, vaccination efforts appear to be slowing down somewhat with once in-demand appointments starting to go unused. John, this could be kind of a tricky stretch where you have a surge in cases before you have widespread vaccine protection. DeSantis has made it very clear he's going to stay the course, and, and he criticized uh, comments by Biden about potentially pausing some reopening uh, efforts amid this latest surge. Florida doesn't have any reopening efforts to pause. The state is already uh, fully open. That's not going to change, is it? Yeah, no, there, there's no going back for DeSantis. That's clear. And uh, he's already rumbling about trying to get cruise ships operating again in Florida. Presumably that would bring more crowds to coastal cities from a lot of destinations. And, uh, you know, even as we're still totaling 5,000 new cases a day here, basically. Um, here in Tallahassee, the legislature also is moving ahead with measures that would put new limits on emergency orders issued by cities and counties, maxing them out at a total of 42 days. That's just a little over a month. And while DeSantis has said it's aimed at blocking businesses from being closed, it also could do away with mask requirements that are still on the books and uh, still controversial in many communities. So really, um, in that sense, John, we're, we're we are kind of uh, we're still uh, rolling back whatever restrictions there might have been at the local level, kind of going uh, in the opposite direction uh, what, of what some people might expect if you're having a surge in cases. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And you're hearing that out of the CDC right now. They're, you know, trying to emphasize the uh, importance of mask wearing, whereas uh, right now it looks like they're trying to maybe do away with one of those last local barriers that we have to, uh, to you know, wide open uh, reopenings. Uh, you know, DeSantis is seeing some political value right now in being an antagonist to everything Joe Biden. He, uh, you know, recently dismissed the idea of a vaccination passport. That's uh, still a developing concept from the Biden administration that is aimed at trying to restore the tourist industry and maybe even domestically for concert going and other activities where uh, people could sort of be able to produce a document that shows they're, they're vaccinated. But uh, DeSantis said Florida won't go along with that. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're open for better or worse here. Antonio, what do you think? This, uh, this has pretty much worked for DeSantis politically. I mean, uh, he, he seems to, his approval rating has, has ticked back up after dropping uh, over uh, the summer during sort of the height of, of the uh, COVID uh, surge. Is there any reason to think that that won't continue? You know, you're right, Zach. I mean, he, his approval rating has gone up. And look, that's, as we talked about almost a year ago, 
you know, the, when the governor really pushed for the schools to reopen and really blew through those White House guidelines on how to reopen the economy, we said that, you know, he was rolling the dice here and there was going to be either to be high risk, high reward, and he, he is reaping the reward. But the question is, going forward, who is he's going to be competing for that reward? He's going to be competing to get credit with this for the for the reopening of the economy and for the the improving economy and for the you know, the vaccination effort, he's going to be competing for that to get that credit with congressional Democrats in Florida and the Biden administration. You know, down here, I, here in South Florida, we just saw another round of efforts by congressional Democrats who talk up that one point nine trillion dollar stimulus bill that Biden signed, that President Biden signed last month and which is still winding its way through the economy. You know, the mantra that they're using is shots in arms and money in pockets, which is a pretty effective uh, jingo, a little pretty effective slogan, uh, considering that a new poll just right that just came out this week gives uh, President Biden a 73 percent approval rating on his handling of the pandemic and 55 percent approval rating on his handling of the economy. Now, the governor has upped the ante on the administration while Biden called for all adult Americans to be eligible for the vaccine by May 1st. DeSantis moved qu- has moved quickly to beat that deadline with plenty of time to spare. He's basically uh, this month, any adult in Florida, anybody over the age of 18 will be able to uh, sign up for the vaccine. So that speaks to not just the progress on the public health front, but also the political necessity to stay ahead of the Biden administration. Then there is a question of unemployment, which perhaps will be the biggest number in politics as we move from 20 through 2021 and then ultimately into 2022. As we mentioned in the recent episode of this podcast, the governor can claim that his push to reopen the economy, COVID infections aside, like John just discussed, has brought down joblessness by an impressive nine percentage points within a year. But getting the rate down to under 3%, uh, where it was pre-pandemic, will take a return to Florida's mass market tourism economy. And that's going to be a challenge, especially the coronavirus variants, the surge we're seeing in these variants, continues to move forward and ultimately stymies efforts to return the economy to full strength. All that said, you know, the governor's rising approval ratings show that he has taken the lead in getting credit for the economic bounce back. And like I said before, you know, he did lead the pack on insisting that schools reopen. Going forward, if you want to gauge where the governor's political fortunes are headed, I suggest keeping an eye on two numbers, uh, what's happening with variants and what's going on with our tourism industry. Because ultimately, to get back to normalcy, variants need to go away or be defeated and tourism has to come back in full. Yeah, those numbers are definitely connected. And, uh, you know, with this latest surge, it, it, there's there's a big question here. I mean, you, you still have a relatively low percentage of the population vaccinated. And if people just go back to business as usual, um, uh, is that really going to be contained? And, and how does that affect um, the, the economy going forward? Well, the, the governor bragged about how open Florida is during a press conference this week where he signed a bill limiting COVID-19 liability lawsuits against businesses. DeSantis even had a band playing at the bill signing, which he said was to remind people of what they'd be missing if businesses weren't open. John, you've been covering this legislation. Businesses were really leaning hard on state lawmakers for uh, this liability protection, weren't they? Yeah, businesses are the the, the big winners of this legislative session so far. And uh, the Republican-led legislature clearly will respond to 
whatever demand is out there from uh, shielding any risk of lawsuits to uh, tax breaks that they say are needed to get companies back on their feet. Uh, lower income Floridians don't get that kind of response. And uh, you can always uh, trace a link between major companies and business associations to the campaign accounts of the uh, Florida Republican Party and rising leaders within the parties. Uh, on this COVID liability protection, the uh, Florida Chamber of Commerce, Florida Retail Federation, uh, Restaurant and Lodging Association, National Federation of Independent Business, they were all among the groups clamoring for protection. And uh, while many were forced to acknowledge that actual lawsuits claiming that someone caught COVID at a business or workplace were going to be very hard to prove, the uh, businesses wanted an added shield to avoid even the threat of a lawsuit, which, uh, of course, they saw it as something that could force some to uh, get into a legal settlement or at least go through a court costly court fight of some kind. So uh, the legislature basically raised the bar on lawsuits, making them harder to file. And uh, a number of states have done similar things, but Florida right now is the biggest. And the, uh, the new law is also retroactive. Uh, going back a year, which is unusual for new laws, but maybe not when it deals with a pandemic that began a year ago. Um, and of course, uh, the legislature also uh, extended this higher bar for lawsuits. Uh, uh, it's called a, a determination of uh, gross negligence is what you would have to uh, allege right now, uh, that um, th th they extended this protection to nursing homes and healthcare providers as well. Sean, um, I wanted to ask you about that because you can make the argument that, hey, if, if you went to a restaurant and caught COVID, you should have you should have known better. I mean, uh, you know, that you should have taken uh, you could have taken precautions. You could have not gone to that restaurant. Um, but if you're in a nursing home, if you're in assisted living, if, if you can't really leave uh, that property, um, you know, or you have a lot of health issues and and that and that facility wasn't taking proper precautions or, um, you know, wasn't following CDC guidelines or things like that. Um, that seems to me like a, a different issue. Yeah. And, and that uh, argument was made by, uh, you know, outnumbered Democrats and uh, representatives of the Florida Justice Association, the Trial Lawyers Association here in Florida. Uh, they were saying that with nursing homes, you basically have a captive audience. You have people that are basically subject to what is going on around them as opposed to, you know, having any ability to make a choice to to leave if they didn't like the looks of things. Uh, but again, you know, uh, nursing homes are, uh, are, are a major political player in this state and uh, big business. And uh, they too now will have this this uh, higher bar of gross negligence. So uh, presumably anyone that wanted to make the claim against a nursing home or a hospital or, or emergency center of some kind uh, would have to show that uh, there was this sort of, uh, you know, overwhelming uh, disregard for for basic care practices by a home. Well, uh, you know, the, the legislature has a long history of uh, trying to protect uh, businesses from, uh, you know, lawsuits. So this is uh, no surprise that some of these uh, things have been uh, overturned in the courts. And we'll have to wait and see if uh, anybody challenges this one. We'll move on to our Numbers, Antonio, you had a 9.7 million. Tell us about that. Yeah, gentlemen, 9.7 million is 9.7 million dollars, which is the amount of uh, money that Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., and his girlfriend Kimberly Guilfoyle have spent to purchase a home in Palm Beach County. 
On Wednesday, the high-profile couple paid that amount for a waterfront home in the Admiral's Cove community. It's an exclusive gated community in the town of Jupiter. The, the pair first eyed the North Palm Beach County neighborhood in January, then showed interest in a different home in Palm Beach Gardens just to the south before circling back to Admiral's Cove, according to uh, real estate sources that uh, our expert real estate reporter Alexander Clow uh, spoke to. Now, now that the house hunt is over, the question is, what is next for the former first son? In fact, what's next for all the Trump siblings? Uh, daughter-in-law Laura Trump is said to be eyeing a run for the U.S. Senate in North Carolina. Daughter Ivanka Trump squashed talk of a U.S. Senate run in Florida, but she's not going to let the sand gather under her feet. There, there is a what next for her, too. Then there is Don Jr., who arguably liked the political limelight more than any of his siblings and their significant others. Whatever they do in politics or marketing or real estate, it will somehow orbit Florida. The Trump brand remains very strong in this state, so there is no surprise that both Trump Jr. and his sister Ivanka have planted themselves and their families here in South Florida. All right. Further evidence that uh, Palm Beach County is the epicenter of the MAGA universe. John, your uh, number is 562. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, that's uh, 562 million. And that's how much uh, dollars uh, Florida tax collections are running above the estimated level that state economists thought they were going to be when they last put together a forecast in uh, December. Uh, what does that mean uh, for the uh, Florida legislature? It means that they're going to have a lot more money to spend than they thought they were going to have when the uh, House and Senate begin negotiations over a final budget for the year beginning in July. Uh, as we all know, Florida's economy has been largely open. Uh, now tourism uh, still is down, but there are still a lot of transactions out there. Restaurants are back in almost mid-season form, and those who are staying away are still using DoorDash or something, so they're still buying stuff. Houses are being sold, uh, cars and refrigerators are being bought. Uh, so there are a lot of transactions out there, and Florida pulls in about three out of four tax dollars from sales. And uh, home sales mean a boom in the documentary stamp taxes as well. So um, the state's economists were cautious putting together their revenue forecast back in uh, the, the, the fall and in early winter. And when they meet again next Tuesday to revise their forecast, they're likely to uh, give the legislature the go-ahead to spend more, confident that the uh, tax receipts are there to back it up. Um, you know, for a pandemic year when lawmakers once feared a budget shortfall of more than $2 billion, the legislature is suddenly afloat in cash. Uh, that, that's thanks already to the $10 billion that Florida is getting from the American Rescue Plan approved by the Biden administration and the Democratic-controlled Congress. But the Republican majority in the state House and Senate is still looking to cut. They, they, they say the federal aid is one-time money and you shouldn't spend it on recurring state needs. So as part of that, they're cutting Medicaid payments to hospitals and reducing state funding for universities, all saying that the state's general revenue picture still isn't so good. And you don't want to just put, you know, to kind of paper over uh, these uh, potential shortfalls with uh, federal spending. Um, of course, Republicans are looking to cut some of the state's recurring revenue with big tax breaks for businesses. 
uh, which takes away something that would would generate more money. Um, it, they're looking at a, a reduction in the state's uh, tax on commercial leases is one of the latest things they came up with. But uh, there's a good chance that this new revenue forecast is going to show a relatively strong inflow of taxes for the coming months and years maybe taking away the argument from these conservative legislators that cutting programs are still needed, still a, a way to go. Um, maybe government spending is, is a good way to get out of this pandemic, as uh, we're seeing right now. Uh, Joe Biden seems to think so, although uh, you probably don't want to say that too loudly around Ron DeSantis and Republican legislators. Yeah, and 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 the, uh, your number is an interesting one, John, because it shows that revenue is growing. It's growing faster than anticipated. So in that case, you, you know, uh, some people could make the argument that, well, if the revenue is on the upswing, we could use some of this um, one-time money to avoid cutting in the short term with the expectation that revenue will uh, continue to grow. But it doesn't sound like that's what the legislature wants to do. So we'll be tracking it closely. My number is 150. That's the confirmed number of housing developments that received special vaccine access, according to a new analysis of state and local government vaccine data and other sources by the USA Today Network. I worked on this story uh, for Gannett's Florida Papers and USA Today, and I hope you all check it out. It's a deep dive into these vaccine pop-up clinics that Governor Ron DeSantis and others have been putting on around the state. The number of pop-up clinics in housing communities is likely much higher than that 150 number, but the data we got from the state is incomplete. It appears that we're only able to identify a fraction of these clinics, which also have been put on by local governments and private healthcare providers. We found that at least five of the pop-up clinics were in communities with homes valued at more than a million dollars, including uh, some communities that had uh, homes uh, well above 10 million, 14 million, even some above $20 million. Two of these uh, pop-ups were in yacht club communities, and many of the pop-ups were in gated golf club and country club communities. The public health experts we talked to said that the pop-up clinics that give certain populations special access to the vaccine aren't necessarily a bad thing, but when vaccine supplies are scarce, they can raise questions about favoritism, and it makes more sense to go to disadvantaged communities where people face more barriers to get vaccinated. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. Thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.